My name is Jeremy Devins, and this is the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast. And today is a special interview all about desire with Megan Lambert. So I'm really grateful I got to share some time with Megan, who just released her book called Eros, The Journey Home. And it's all about following desire as a guide back to our true selves, back to source. And it lines up perfectly with what I share here on the podcast and how desire is one of the four aims of life in the Vedic teachings. So a lot of spiritual paths might think that we are supposed to avoid desire or desire is a bad thing to be suppressed and ignored or it's selfish. And we'll talk about all those things in the interview. It was an awesome interview and she's actually very close to having her babies. I was really grateful that she had the time to talk. And uh, we talked over Zoom. She's in Bali, Indonesia. I'm here in Austin, Texas. So the connection isn't perfect, but the audio is mostly really good. And what she shares is amazing and super helpful. So I know her through different coaching trainings that we've both done in the past. And I'm just going to share her bio just so you know a little bit more about Megan before we start the interview. So Megan D. Lambert is a master certified intimacy and desire expert. She's helped hundreds of people around the world experience more love, better sex, and clearer desires through her retreats, group programs, and private coaching. Previously, she was a senior leadership consultant to Fortune 100 companies. Now she lives in Bali with her husband, two puppies, and their first baby on the way. And she talks all about her story in her book, Eros, The Journey Home, which was just number one in sexuality on Amazon. And it's about sexuality, it's about desire, it's about relationships, and really everything in life, uh, because desire comes back to really everything that we do. And we'll talk about that in this interview. So I think you'll get a lot out of it. And without any further ado, let's go to my interview with Megan D. Lambert. So I'm super grateful to have one of my friends, Megan Lambert, here just released an amazing new book called Eros. It's all about following her desire and how you can follow your desire. And she shares some amazing life experience and stories there and exercises you can do to follow your desire. So, so many great things and lessons in there that I want to share with everyone listening here because uh, it's a really cool perspective. And I think Megan has just a lot of wisdom to share in this area. So thank you, Megan. I'm grateful you're here. Thank you. I'm so glad to so where should we begin like what do you what's like the first thing you begin when you're talking about desire with clients and maybe feeling like stuck or like they're not able to get in touch with their desire or uh, maybe even feeling resentful about having tried in the past where do you begin like you work with a lot of coaching clients like where do you begin in those processes yeah it's a great question my book is called journey home and came to because I think our desire is home. Hear me okay? Oh, it's hard to cut out. Dang. Oh, no. Okay. Let me just see if I turn the video um, off. How's that? Let's see. Um, start talking a little bit and see how it sounds okay it sounds good on my side without the video maybe it was a bandwidth thing or something 
Okay, that could be. Um, okay, so yeah. Is that just, okay? Yeah, and I'll let you know. So, okay, so just go ahead with like okay. the answering of that question from where you left off. Yeah. Yeah, so my book is called Arrow's Journey Home because I think that's what desire does for us. Stay back home, back home to our soul, back home to ourselves. Because the opposite of living life led by desire is to live life led by other people's expectations. Or as one of my friends says, dancing on the marionette strings of other people's opinions. Mm. And what desire does is it helps us come back to, okay, what it, what is my soul really asking me to be doing in this life? Other people might call desire intuition or the whisper or, or your quiet inner voice. Um, but to me, that's 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 the power of desire. So, first step is to have a little reverence for that. Hmm. That's great. And what might that look like? Like, is it is there a practice, or is there actions, or journaling? Or how how would you like know or see if somebody is having reverence for their desire? Yeah. Well, I think it starts really simply with just asking yourself, "What do I want?" What do I want? And this can be a really simple thing. And, and often when we are coming back in touch with our desire, it starts small. So it's like, I want an iced coconut latte. I want a massage. I want to go for a walk in the park. And these, these things seem small, but what it's doing is it's building a muscle of looking inside for direction and um, guidance and then acting on it and trusting it. And so these little, by trusting, listening for the little desires, it can make the bigger ones like, I want to quit my job and start my own business, or I want to get married or whatever, feel more possible, more doable. So, yeah. And, and the other thing is that for a lot of women, I know it can feel really indulgent, right? especially if it's a little thing, like I want a massage or I want a latte. It's like, oh, well, I don't need one. You know, I should be more productive. Right. Um, and and so I just I just be aware like as a woman is starting this path is like those voices will come up those it's it's pretty rebellious to trust our desire to follow it right yeah and there may be a lot of conditioning and culture or wherever somebody grew up that they should suppress those or it's selfish or it somehow is especially for parents, like they have so much on their plate already with kids and work that it might feel indulgent or selfish to, to satisfy their needs or get their needs met, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember going to a talk when I first started learning about this and the, the speaker, it was RC, you know her, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, but she was talking about how she lives her life led by her desire and da da da. And it was so novel to me. I had to raise my hand and I was like, excuse me, what does that actually mean? <laughs> and she said to me, she said, I do what I want to do and I don't do what I don't want to do. It's that simple. Hmm. And at the time, my first thought was like, oh, that sounds like a fantasy. You know, you can't actually live life that way. You have to do all kinds of stuff you don't want to do. Everybody does stuff they don't want to do. <laughs> Because I couldn't imagine trusting the things that felt good that much. Right. 
And was there, and I think, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say too, and now, you know, flash forward six years and I'm moving into motherhood and, and I can feel all of the, the conditioning from my mom and her mom and all the women before of like, put your kids first or I have three dogs, for example. So it's easier for me to be like, okay, well, what do the dogs need and want? And what does my husband need? And what do my clients need? And then it's really a practice to be like, okay, stop. What would make me feel good right now? How can I take care of myself? Like, what are my desires in this moment? Um, and so it's, it's still, it's like a constant daily muscle that I practice about coming back and listening to my desire. Yeah, it's beautiful. Was there a, do you remember any like particular moments early on when you started trying to apply this? Are there any interesting stories or experiences with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so many. Um, I think just a funny little one, and I think a lot of women can relate to this, is one of the best ways to see how is our relationship to desire is the way that we eat, <laughs> the way we eat food. So when I came into this community that taught me about desire, I had very strict rules about the kinds of food I would eat. I was like, all right, I only eat egg whites and I don't eat sugar and I don't eat dairy. And I was very healthy and had all these rules. And then, because that's what I felt like I should do. If I want to be healthy and fit, I should eat in a certain way. And then I came into the community and, and the community was like, well, what do you want? What would feel so good? And I was like, honestly, all I want are milkshakes and cookies. <laughs> I just want like all the sweets. <laughs> um, and, and, they, and they were like, give it to yourself. Give it to yourself until you're done with having it. Mm. And at first I was like, well, I'll never be done. I'm just going to have milkshakes forever. Um, but I actually, I trusted it. And so I went and I was like, I'm going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Um, and then at some point I did start to feel like, whew, okay feel heavy I feel <laughs> I kind of miss my salads I kind of miss my healthy food um, and then I came back to an equilibrium around what I eat which is just you know what I want when I want it and it tends to be more on the healthy side but I think what that experience taught me is like sometimes the pendulum needs to swing mm -hmm. you know I was so strict and controlled around the food and then it had to go all the way in the other direction of like whatever I want and to find my natural center point. And, and I think that's true, not just with food, but also with sleep or laziness or sex or any of the things where we try to like really constrict our desire because it feels scary. Like we might lose control in that spot. Hmm. And now would you say at this point, it feels like more of a choice. Like you could eat all the sweets if you wanted to, but it doesn't feel like you have to not, or you have to, it's more of like a, a choice now. Yeah. Yeah. It feels very, it feels, I feel very balanced around food now. And I think a big part of that is just trusting. Like I actually just trust what my body says because at first when I was really strict, it was a mind-based thing. Like my mind tells me I need to eat only egg whites. Um, and then going into desire, it's like, well, actually my body knows my body. And especially now I'm pregnant I'm nine months pregnant. <laughs> my body really knows what she needs if I'm willing to listen. Yeah. And that's true whether you're pregnant or not, but, uh, you know, as long as I'm listening. 
And so that brings me to like, I think it was a very interesting area of how do you know if it's really like a desire or some sort of like ego thing or insecurity thing, or like, what's really like, I want this, or like, I feel like I should want this, or like, how do you discern those voices? Mm. Yeah, sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't know. <laughs> I would say with desire, there's usually some signals in, in our body. So if it's a big desire, for example, I'll often start to cry or get teary-eyed. Like when I, when I realized I wanted to have a baby, I wanted to start a family, I, I, it actually made me cry every time I thought about it. And I was like, okay, that's a real desire, right? It's not just like a mental thing. Um, and when I knew it was time to quit my job, I actually would throw up on the way to work. And so it was like my body was speaking to me. And I, I think that's one way to differentiate. Um, other signals can be like goosebumps or chills um, or like tingles. Yeah. Because desire comes ultimately from the body. And so if it's a real desire, it will create some kind of sensation in your body when you think of that thing. And then yeah. sometimes you just don't know is the other thing. Like sometimes it's like, I don't know if this is obsession, addiction, desire, compulsion, whatever. And sometimes you just have to do it and see what happens. And then, and then you'll learn, right? right. It's all research. Right. And, you know, there's sort of um, different paths you could go of like, well, if you ignore and suppress those desires and keep going in that direction, like what's the possible outcome of that? And maybe worst case scenario with that versus I think there may be a fear in some people of if I follow my desires, it's, it's just going to become indulgent and overwhelming. And like, I'll just end up, you know, it's like, it can really take us out of control to follow our desires and make us, and we feel like this impulse to do things that like, it's like, I'm losing control. Like I'm losing control of the diet and the reins on this way of being. And, and it may be like a fear in that. And as you've exemplified in your experience, like it was scary at first, but now it's like, you're living in a life that's like, from what I know of you and like totally in alignment, like, there's, there's, and when things get out of alignment, you have the tools to get back in alignment. But if you had never sort of taken that little leap of faith to like listen to that voice, listen to your body, like you might still be at, like in, in your book, you tell the story of like the, the job you were at before you kind of got into all this stuff. And you might still be there and like unfulfilled and unhappy um, and sort of feeling all this stuff that you're kind of suppressing or, or shutting down. And now like you're kind of in like a 180 from that where it's like you're living in alignment and that's available to everybody just through like little small steps, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and of course desire is so scary. I think it's the evolutionary force of our soul. It's like inviting us to keep evolving and to keep changing and to keep jumping into the unknown. Mm -hmm. and, and that's scary because our minds, our egos, everything wants to stay in our comfort zone. I'm like, okay, I, I got my routine, I got my life. But, and that's the thing with desire is it's, it's inherently disruptive to our comfort zone mm -hmm. and to the life that we've known. And it invites us into a life we don't yet know that will require us to become a woman or a man that we don't yet know. And so it's, it's, uh, it requires an evolution. Like I think about 
when I first felt the desire to move to Bali, it, I was like, I don't know anyone there. What am I going to do for work? Like why? But the same thing as when I knew I, it was time to have a baby. When I thought of Bali, I just would cry. And, and I got goosebumps and I was like, okay, I don't know why, but I have this really strong desire to go there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's scary. <laughs> and so I think the other thing I want to do is to just like uh, help people become friends with the fear is the fear is often like, okay, you're doing the right things. You're on the right path. If it's a little bit scary. Right. Yeah. I know by definition, expansion and growth is going to be discomforting and outside of our comfort zone. And the desire is like that voice yeah. or that impulse or magnetism in that direction. Mm -hmm. And that it is in the, the Vedic teachings that I talk about on this podcast with people. It's one of the four aims of life that often desire in spiritual circles gets a reputation of like desire is bad. You should sort of shun desire and not have desire, suppress it. But it's actually in the, the Vedic teachings, like one of the aims of life, like wealth, purpose, spirituality, and desire to listen to that, that voice calling us forward. And, okay. and uh, it's, it is like you're saying, I, I believe, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it is like the evolution. It's like calling us towards like, this is the next direction to go. And what about those times when like, it's just not there, like, uh, there's like for me right now, like I'm in a place where I'm like, I feel like I'm going to move in the spring, but I'm not sure where or exactly the details. And I don't have any particular desire of where, but it's like, I know, like, I'm just kind of waiting for the exact impulse or intuition and I've got some time. But what, what do you say to people like who are in that sort of, like they know a change is coming, but they're, it's not quite here yet. They don't know what it is. And like, how do you navigate that space of the sort of anticipating, knowing it's coming, but it's not here yet? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Um, kind of like the limbo of like, okay, the next thing hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> and, it, and it sounds like too for you, you're not totally sure yet what the desire is. Is that right? right. Yeah, there's just like, uh, there's some inklings of it, some sense of it. There's like places I'd like to go. It's like, still, I just have this sense like it'll come in a few months and I don't need to do anything really particular, but I just know that it's kind of coming and there's a little bit of like eagerness and anticipation of like, what is it going to be? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's such a beautiful point too, is that desire kind of unfolds in its own time. Mm -hmm. like there's been times when I'm like okay I feel stuck I think I know there's something more what is it what is it universe <laughs> and I think that in those moments um a couple of things one is just stillness is so important like just space to do nothing and listen so for some people that might be meditation I love meditating each day and just being like okay what do I need to hear and then people it might be a walk in the park or a walk on the beach um, for other people, it's just sitting and looking out at a view and not doing anything because when we're doing, it's just like activity and noise and and it's hard to hear the quiet whispers of desire. So getting still, getting quiet, it's really important. And then the second part I think is giving ourselves permission to be inspired by other people. 
So one of the best ways that I know my desire is um, looking out at the people in my life that I know personally or not, and just be like, who's living a life that I feel that lights me up? You know, like, um, and then from there, kind of understanding the desire. So I'll give you an example. Recently, I kind of felt that I was like, well, what am I, you know, I've done all these like business things and what, what's next? What's the desire? I, I can't quite hear it. And so I started <laughs> going on Instagram and Instagram can be a friend or a foe, but in this case, it was a friend because I was looking at a few different, um, like influencers and one woman in particular caught my attention and she posts a lot about her husband and her baby and this organic garden that she's growing and the times she swims naked in the river and the art that she makes. And I just felt this longing well up inside of me as I looked at her Instagram. And I thought, oh yeah, that's the flavor of what I want my next chapter to be like. You know, that really deep connection with the earth and with um, art and my family, a baby. And, and, and so that long, was like oh that's that's the flavor and you know my life of course will look different than hers um, but it's helpful sometimes to just uh, have some inspiration from other people too that's a great idea and that's a really positive use of social media mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and the key I think too in that is because it, it could click our brains can click into like oh, she has such a perfect life. My life is not that good. Or like get envious or judgmental of ourselves. I think the trick is like, can I use this to be inspired about what's possible for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then start with the small steps of, well, you're probably not going to just move overnight and change everything overnight, but it's like the inkling of that direction the frequency of it uh, the flavor of it like you're saying and then it comes down to like is buying this silverware or that silverware and that kind of flavor or is it uh, buying this color mm -hmm. outfit or that color outfit and that flavor that I'm going for right so it's like the little things like are either in that direction or not and they all add up going in that direction right mm-hmm yeah, it's such a good point, right? Because just getting inspired by this woman, then it's like, okay, well, what's the, the flavor, the texture of this life that I feel longing for? And then can I align each little decision around that? Yeah. There's like a, a little thing is I spending more time. I'm like, oh, I want to spend more time in nature. Okay. So I planted a garden, right? Like it doesn't, I don't have to uproot my whole life, but <laughs> little steps towards that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Or like um, for me recently, I was thinking about some things I want, some projects I want to be working on in the future. And when I envisioned myself doing those, it's like, oh, I know I'm going to need this new laptop for that. Like, so it's like I had a laptop, long story, but I've been using a desktop for every, for a while now. And it's like, and I was envisioning this future of like where I'm going, I was definitely using a laptop. So I was like, oh, I should get a new laptop. Like that's moving me in that direction, even though it's, not exactly there yet it's like part of the whole picture and i think that's part of it too mm -hmm. just like finding those little bits of the vision and then it, eventually you're there mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it can feel overwhelming. You know, when you first get a vision of the way you want your life to be, you're like, oh my gosh, that requires everything to change. And it might, you know, like when I moved to Bali, everything in my life did change. I ended a relationship. I quit my job. I left my community. I got a new house. Um, And so sometimes it's like that. But other times, especially the more connected I feel with my desire on an ongoing basis, it can be smaller shifts, like little steps towards the direction, um, the feeling of the life that I want to create. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate your time for this interview, even though you're uh, really close to having your baby. (laughs) I really appreciate that. (laughs) And uh, you just wrote your... You just put your book out, so your first, your other baby in the world as well, uh, which is on Amazon now and number one in sexuality, right? Yeah, it was. That was really an exciting um, milestone. Very cool. Yeah, so if people want to reach out to you, I can follow you, and uh, Megan does coaching and different women's circles and events. Where can they find you? Um, you can find me on my website, but I think the best spot is Instagram personally, because then you can send me messages and we can chat. Um, and so I'll make sure you have my Instagram as well. Awesome. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes for this episode. Uh, but anything you want to leave us with about desire on this episode? Mm. Um, well, yeah, there's so many things. I think one thing is just that it's really important. It's probably one of the most important things we can do because it creates a life that's uh, handmade, that's ours. That's the first thing. The second thing is it's much easier when you're surrounded by other people that are living their desires. So finding friends, community, other people that are trusting the quiet voice of their soul, their desires, and getting close to them. (laughs) because it's trusting your desire and following your desire is rebellious. It's not what the norm does. And it can feel really scary to try to do all by yourself. And we're not meant to. So that's the other thing I would say. Um, Yeah. And then the last thing is, is just that it's, it can, even though it feels selfish to follow desire, in my experience, in the end, it is actually a benefit to everyone around us is that everyone benefits when we have that sense of like, oh, yes, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing with my life. Now, of course, there might be some like growing pains on the way there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then we become, uh, as we do that, it becomes permission for other people to do it too. And they see you following your desire it's uh, sort of permission and inspiration to others to do the same and creating a world where we're doing that and not living from conditioning or fear, but from desire, connection, that, that still voice within us that's calling us towards our soul's evolution, which is creates a different world, which is really cool. So well said, Megan, I really love what you yeah. said. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's like, can you be the, the torch that shine so brightly it inspires other torches too yeah and they can light their torch and not 
turn burn out your light and we all light each other up. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. right, well, thank you, Megan. Mm, thank you. Thanks for listening and feel free to reach out anytime. If you enjoyed this interview, again, you can check out MeganDLambert.com or follow her on Instagram at Megan Lambert. And she has a Facebook group that's all about people following their desire where she shares more there. So super grateful for the interview. Couldn't have gone better. So many good insights. I hope you enjoyed it and I look forward to sharing more with you next time on the Quiet Mind Astrology 